People, 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 welcome back to another episode of the Arsenio Buck Show. Guys, I am bringing to you today a special, and I mean a special episode. Man, it's good to be back live. It's good to have so many people listening to me, as always, around the world. Folks in Bulgaria, and what is it, Egypt, and uh, Croatia, and... Switzerland and Denmark, man, I am so grateful for all of you. And you know what? Today, man, we got to talk about some deep stuff. We got to talk about synergistic communication. Now, you guys are probably like, what, man, what the hell is he talking about this morning? Guys, honestly, I think this is probably, (laughs) of course, on top of Napoleon Hill's law of success. This has to be the most important form of communication in all of mankind. Now, I'm going to give you excerpts, and then I'm going to relate, and then I'm, I'm going to talk about, of course, classroom synergy. And you know what? Classroom synergy means, oh my God, I'm just going to, you know what? This is going to relate heavily to the ESL teachers and teachers all around the world, especially the ones here in Bangkok who literally just open up a book and teach right out of the book, but they don't teach the essential qualities of living. Now, I'm going to get right into this. Oh, I'm going to get right into this because, man, this is going to be a sexy one. Here we go. Forward. When you communicate synergistically, you are simply opening your mind and heart and expressions to new possibilities, new alternatives, and new options. You're not sure when you engage in synergistic communication how things will work out or what the end will look like, but you do have an inward sense of excitement and security and adventure, believing that it will significantly better Or that it will be significantly better than it was before. That's the foreword. That's what Stephen Covey said in his uh, his book. So I'm going to try to relate this to you guys. Now, of course, when when you open yourself to communication and to empathy and to compassion, you're opening your heart, your mind to new expressions, alternatives, possibilities, options. Now, I remember when I went to a bar, Shorebird, out there in Honolulu, Hawaii. I was wearing a Tokyo shirt. I was going there just to, you know, throw back a couple of things, and it ended up turning into a very, very exciting night, as a matter of fact. And you know what? While I was there, this guy, he was sitting next to me in the bar. He's like, hey, man, I see that you have a Tokyo shirt on. I was like, yeah, I actually just traveled there. And his wife on the other side of him, she was giving me the most disgusting look ever, such as, ew, why did you go to Tokyo? You see what I mean? When you're not open to the new possibilities and expressions, instead of saying... Or looking at me in a, in a particularly unfond way. Ask me, what made you go to Tokyo? I'm going to take you on a journey, ma'am. But the thing is, because we're not open to the new possibilities and to the possibilities of traveling. Yes, I'm talking specifically about Americans. Well, guess what? You're closing off the majority of the world. See, that very day that I booked that trip and went to Australia, and I still remember when I came out the subway, because of course, when you get to Sydney Kingsford International Airport, you're in a subway, and after a couple of stops, basically you open up into the heart of the city, and when I was looking around and looking at these buildings, I could not believe, I was in unbelievable awe, people were looking at, well, I I can't remember if people were looking at me or not, but my friend Satomi was looking at me, and she's like, are you okay? And I'm like, I can't believe this. Because I was simply open. My mind literally, there was a gateway within my mind that was closed and trapped for so long. It had completely opened up. In terms of communication also. Because I started communicating. That was the first day. That was the first day I had to develop confidence quickly. 
Because I remember this Chinese Australian girl, she came up to me and I was like, oh my God. And she was like, oh man, you need it. You know what? Her accent, it just, it just got me. You know what I mean? Because I'm like, I didn't know that I was really in Australia until, of course, the flight attendant told the flight. Not only that, but when I actually uh, was talking to this Australian girl, she's like, oh, you, and with her accent, I can't do the Australian accent, but she was telling me that I needed $2 and this and that. <sighs> I was open to an entire new life. So if you look at it from an empathic, remember the empathic listening. Now, I know a lot of you guys uh, tune into my blogs, uh, empathic listening, uh, the emotional bank account, the uh, four autobiographical uh, signs of, yeah, a lot of these, of course, these blogs and these podcasts that I've done in Stephen Covey, you guys tune into this drastically just because, of course, you know what lies within. And I'm going to tell you right now. If you look at what's happening right now, the world lacks empathy. The world really does lack empathy. Instead of putting yourself in the shoes of the other man, remember I told you about, you know, Stephen Covey and his son and saying, you know what, this is the form of communication that I'm going to use. Instead of telling my son, you know what, I know more than you do. You need to go to school, this and that. The son literally gets his bank account, his emotional bank account overdrawn, and then he ends up closing himself off from his father. So every time his father approaches him, he says, hello, how are you doing today, son? Fine. So how was class? Good. You see what I mean? He shut you off. You're finished. And I know a lot of you right now, those parents out there, you're not able to just open yourself up to communication and hear it from the other side. And this is what's happening along with Anglo-American and African-America. Anglo-America and Africa-America. Because the thing is, most Anglos, they're always saying, oh, everything is racist. Blacks always complain. This, that, this, that, this. See, you're not opening yourself up to communication. See, when you're able to just go back and figure out what the underlying problem is, of course, what's happening. Remember I mentioned yesterday in terms of my podcast, in terms of Roseanne and seeing those heinous comments on that YouTube page saying, oh, you should come to Fox News. Yeah, who cares about black people? I could not believe what I was reading before my eyes. I said, you know what? Boy, it sounds like a lot of Americans are deranged. It doesn't matter what side you're on. Remember I told you about that. It doesn't matter if you're, quote-unquote, through the eyes of Americans, if you're black, if you're white, if you're gay, if you're straight, if you're Muslim, if you're Christian. All those are just labels that literally forbid you from actually stepping onto the other side and looking at life through the other side's perception. Stephen Covey said, he said, many people have not really experienced even a moderate degree of synergy in their family, or in other interactions. Why? Because they've been trained and scripted into defensive and protective communications. That's it. That's it. You've been scripted. Listen, when I name something, when I talk about my experience in terms of what I did, like, hey, guess what? Uh, what is it? That video that came out. Oh, my God. This is America, right? Posted a comment, and I said, you know what? All it was was facts. And it was dating back to the Christopher Columbus, to what happened in Wanda, the genocide back in 1995, 1996, that extended and claimed the lives of millions of, um, what is it, what is it, the, the tribe, I forgot what the tribe name, I, I just stated facts, and you know what, everyone who commented, they were so angry, they were like, you know what, there are more blacks incarcerated than whites in America, but the thing is, there was just a mass shooting at a school. And so wait, instead of actually focusing on the mental health issues of America, they hurry up and went on the defensive, and they hurry up and immediately stated, hey, more blacks incarcerated. Why do you think more blacks are incarcerated? You know what? There are 20,000 
inmates within America who were wrongfully convicted and they are serving, what is it, prison sentence terms because they were wrongfully convicted. Hey, listen, justice system, all that is completely jacked up. There was a, uh, what was it, Tom Bilyeu, he actually had a guest on who went from prison to being a lawyer because he realized how jacked up the system was. It was a remarkable, uh, it was a remarkable interview. And you know what was actually one of his very first interviews? Probably in 2006, if I'm not mistaken. If you guys want that interview, please message me on any platform. Uh, of course, Twitter or Instagram or anything. I will send that video to you personally. <sighs> now, guys, what I'm saying is that we get so defensive <clears throat> because we automatically assume that the other person is trying to attack us or attack an entire group of people. Now. Remember my story about being in Bali? I was very protective. I was very protective in a sense that I said, oh, what? Okay, so this tribe over here on this side of, what is it, Bali, that they traveled to from island to island, they ended up planting a bomb, killing a bunch of Australians. And you know what? The interviewer, he's like, why did you do it? He was like, because Americans are killing Muslims. Hey, it doesn't matter. Bad is bad. Bad is bad. And the thing is, they started went, they started going at an argument, and I ended up having a preconceived notion of what Bali is. But guess what? That happened 15 years ago. And remember, I just went there just two years ago, and it was the most gorgeous place I've ever been in my life to this day, period. And so I become protective because of what I hear through the, West, through the weapons of mass distraction out there, also known as, of course, the media. So... Stephen Covey went on to say, he said, this represents one of the greatest tragedies and wastes in life because so much potential remains untapped, completely undeveloped and unused. Ineffective people live day after day with unused potential. They experience synergy only in small peripheral ways in their lives. They may have memories of some unusually creative experiences, perhaps in athletics, where they were involved in a real team spirit for a period of time, or perhaps they were in an emergency situation where people cooperated to an unusually high degree and submerged ego and pride in an effort to save someone's life or produce a solution to a crisis. To many such events may seem unusual, almost out of character with life. Even miraculous, but this is not so. These things can be produced regularly, consistently, and almost daily in the lives of people. Now, remember what happened? World Trade Center, people worked together. They were producing synergy. Um, what happened in Bali? Everyone worked together. They were producing synergy. The Bangkok bombings that happened three years ago, everyone worked together, producing synergy. Uh, the big old protest that happened in Thailand not too long ago, and they started burning buildings all around Bangkok. Guess what happened? All of Thailand, all of the Thai community, they worked together, and they cleaned it all up. That's working together. Now, of course, we have individual sy synergy, such as the beautiful, wonderful uh, uh, lady who's visually impaired, also known as blind. But I like saying visually, uh, visually impaired. I remember I caught her a couple of times on the elevator. And she has her stick. And you know what? She's the happiest Thai woman I've ever seen in my life. And she always says, thank you. Kapunka, kapunka. And I, gra you know, I grab her arm and I walk her out there. And you know what? She just always has a smile on her face. And then, of course, I walk her up the steps to the SkyTrain that's not too far away from where I live. Security comes along from the SkyTrain. They grab her and they say, thank you. And then I tell her, have a good day. And I walk off. 
And you know what? I have such an overwhelming feeling of, of gratitude. Not only, and you know what? Pain at the same time because I feel that I can see the world, but I don't see the beauty that surrounds me. Now, of course, I have those moments that I do, but she sees it all the time. Now, I work together with her in terms of in order to attain that synergy in order to attain that 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 fulfillment and so we have individual synergy but we do not engage in that so moving forward to classroom synergy now this is the best i'm going to tell you a story from of course Stephen Covey and then i'm going to tell you what i can do in terms of basically or what I have done and what I do now in my lessons. Because teaching should be more about teaching about psychology, mindfulness, meditation, health, well-being, all that. You should be focusing on just a particular subject, but we should be focusing on life through a subject. See, I teach English, but I teach life through English. Therefore, they don't even realize they're learning English anymore. So I'm going to give you an example of what happened with Stephen Covey. He said, I'll never forget a university class that I taught in leadership, philosophy, and style. He said, we were about three weeks into a semester then, in the middle of a presentation that a boy was given. This particular individual started to relate some very powerful personal experiences, which were both emotional and insightful. A spirit of humility and reverence fell upon the class. Reverence toward this individual. And they were so appreciative of his courage. And in that given moment, all synergy, all synergy was together. And he said going forward, that changed him because he said he ended up abandoning the old syllabus. The, of course, the purchase textbooks and all the presentation plans. And he set up, and of course, the entire class set up new purposes and projects and assignments. He said they became so excited about what was happening that in about three more weeks, they all sensed an overwhelming desire to share what was happening with themselves. He said they decided to write a book containing the learnings and insights on the subject of their study, Principles of Leadership. Assignments were changed, new projects were undertaken, new teams were formed. People worked much harder than they ever would have in an original class structure. And he said, out of this experience emerged an extremely unique, cohesive, and synergistic culture that did not end with the semester. This went on for years. He said, to this day, to this very day, 2018, those students are sh still sharing their experiences amongst each other. See, guys, that's synergy. Now, I've had this happen a couple of times. Normally, I teach a conversation class, and I teach life through conversation. It's not about, okay, say it this way. This is the grammar. You can learn all that at home. What can I give you today that you could take home and you could plant within your mind and ultimately flourish in the years to come? And I remember there was a girl by the name, oh, my God, I forgot her name. Her name was Kuhn. That was her nickname. She opened herself up. She opened herself up so deeply that it became a very, very emotional class the last 30 minutes. She was talking about a specific friend, and you know what? In English, they were giving feedback. They were giving feedback. And you know what? It was such an overwhelming feeling of, of you know what? I'm opening myself up to these strangers, 
And of course, there were only about six students in class, but they were given su- they were giving her such valuable feedback. And they just kept on going and going and giving that empathy off and the compassion. See, this is what it is. I've had that moment just recently. I just did the Wheel of Life with some of my students in class. The Wheel of Life, of course, personal development, physical environment, romantic relationships, uh, health, wealth, career, fun and hobbies, uh, family and friends. All these categories that we completely neglect and we have no idea that we're neglecting. I did that with the class and they realized that there were some areas that they were neglecting. Now, of course, in Thailand, family and friends are actually always the highest. It's the highest category. It It's funny because in the opposite way of saying things, well, that's my lowest category and it always is, of course, with romantic relationships. But I still believe that I'm connecting with so many people on so many different areas, but there are times that friends leave and, you know, noise happens and, you know, people walk out and people come back in. But you know what? My friends have just gone back up significantly over the last month just because I've welcomed another individual back into my life and that synergy is still there. That's why I welcome that individual back into my life. And so with my best friend and with my friend out there in Australia and talking about on so many different levels and producing this kind of communication, saying, you know what, I am open and willing to. And you know what she said? So and she asked me a question. She's like, Arsenio, why don't you believe in God? I said, I believed in God all my life until 2007 when I was introduced to the secret. I prayed to God every night saying, you know what, please give me a sweet dream. And God damn it, I had a bad dream now. I don't give a damn what religion you love. Muslim, Christian, whatever it may be. Buddhism, it's all good. I'm more of on the Buddhist side because, of course, it's all about thought. I understand. No, the real Buddhist side, not the Thai Buddhist. Thai Buddhist is completely different. Because everything, the laws that they, the five laws that they actually are supposed to abide by, they do the opposite. (laughs) Anyways, that's a long story. But I don't give a damn what religion. All I demand is respect. Respect your other peers, and I mean your peers of the world. I'm talking about the people who are driving in the cars right outside my damn window to the ones riding the motorbike in the opposite direction heading to work. Respect them. Respect their beliefs and be open to synergistic communication. Basically, hearing from the other person's perspective. This is what I do in terms of teaching. Because my students... You know, um, it, it's funny. <clears throat> Some of my best students who I've ever taught, and it's actually the most open class, and they're just very, very open to talk in, about so many different things. One girl was like, you know what? I'm very open. I don't care if you're a man or a girl. If, you, if we could communicate on a level, I like men and I like women. And I said, well, that's an interesting way of looking at it. I'm not going to say, oh, my God, you're crazy. That is completely wrong. No, do not judge another person's opinion. Just say, hey. You are entitled to your own opinion. I believe this. We're still friends. I love you. (laughs) You know what I mean? So, guys, this is something you really, really need to work on. And you know what? I'm going to talk about synergy of business tomorrow because I think this is going to hit home on a lot of different levels. This could go for about three days. I just want to give you guys a foreword in what I do in terms of the classroom. And so when you're able to bond on so many different levels, this is why if I were to go back to America and go back to school, oh my God, they'd fire me in a heartbeat. They'd be like, man, you're not teaching from the damn book. I said, hell with the book. The book means nothing. People who teach philosophy, psychology, and sociology. Hey, you know what? Paul Billings, he was actually my psychology professor. Still remember him. He's the only one I remember from college. 
And I remember he would just stand up and lecture for two hours, but he never formed cohesive groups saying, you know what, okay, we're going to do a project and you guys are going to present the other person's life and you're going to figure out what you learned from this person and you guys are going to give presentations next class, but we're going to do it in class right now. Here we go. All right, how many students? 55. We're going to get into groups of, let's say, seven. Here we go. Remember your numbers. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. One. I would put them in such an uncomfortable position to whereas they would have to open themselves up and give each other feedback because this is what not only American society needs, but everyone in general. I was telling another student, I said, you know what? If America, now, of course, everything that you hear and you see coming out of America right now, it's batshit crazy um, because of a lot of different reasons. Um, but I told one of my students, I said, you know what? I went to that international school over there in Bangkok called NIST. NIST, of course, it was the first international school on top of another one a uh, very long time ago. And they have 59 nationalities at that school. 59. There's not a cent of racism there. You got the people from India who are from that, you know, they wear the turbans. I forgot what, oh, the turbans. I don't know what the, the it's, he, I forgot what it is. You, you Indians can help me with that because you guys listen to me and stuff. They wear the turbans. You got the Muslims over here. You got the ones from Sweden over here. You got the Chinese. You got all these languages happening. You got all these people communicating. You got the son of Citibank. Literally, the CEO of Citibank. His son is right over here. He's got his eyes closed. You got the other girl who's from Africa trying to talk to him. You know, you got these other ones over here who are talking. They're from the Philippines and Bhutan. And then you got these. Just the most remarkable environment I've ever been in in my life. If America could say, you know what, we want one individual from every country to come to every school in America. Oh, man, there would be great change. Because you know what? If we grow up in societies to whereas we only see one particular individual, that's going to present a problem down the line. I truly believe that. This is why, if I ever have a son, he's going to be in the most diverse community ever. There isn't going to be just a predominant this or predominant that. I want diversity. Because with diversity comes open-mindedness, breeds communication. And with that being said, guys, I'm going to get into it a little bit more coming up tomorrow. So stay tuned for that. And as always, thanks for tuning in to another Arsenio Buck Show podcast. This is your host, Arsenio, as usual, over and out.